<laughs> Welcome. Welcome to Take Him With You, the podcast that's goofy. Hey, it's the uh, 30th of October, 2011, and what do you think, Amy? I think you're goofy. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. From my laboratory in the castle east. I had to play that song because it's October 30th. Like scary stuff that much. That's not scary. That's goofy. That is goofy. The monster mash. But talking about scary stuff, we recorded a new show that's filmed here in the Northwest. Oh yeah, you have to talk about and, that. In and a moment. I had to. I, it made me jump. Yeah, I scared I you a couple times during seat. it too. Yeah. On purpose. Yes, you did. That wasn't very nice. We're gonna talk about it. it's a brand new show called Grim. Mm-hmm. Coming up in a moment, so uh, stick around. And plus, today we have a great uh, show for you with a special guest in the studios for part one of an interview with our friend Carista Lewis. So stick around. Hello, Dan here. Well, you have impeccable taste since you're listening to this wonderful podcast. It's one of my favorites too. If you feel that you could squeeze another show into your regular listening, though. Why don't you give mine a go? It's called Out of Range, and I talk about the things I love. Everything from geeky TV, classic toys, and brand new technology and gadgets. You may find something you like, or be introduced to something you've never heard of. Search for Out of Range in iTunes, or go to the website at dangelous.com slash outofrange. I'd love to hear from you. Happy listening. D'Angelus, my friend Dan, you know that um, he, Simon Meddings, our mm-hmm. buddy from Waffle On and, uh, and MASH. Marsh- and Martians are here. Mm-hmm. They uh, got together with our friend Anthony and with the co-host of uh, Waffle On, Mark, and other various people from Trex and Sci-Fi and other podcasts. Uh, they got together this weekend in Nottingham, I believe. Is that where Robin Hood was from? Well, I... Not, Robin Hood wasn't real. He wasn't real. Well, that's my tribble. Do you hear him in the background? I heard your tribble. Yeah. He sits over by my computer. and Anyway, they got together and had um, a great time. And so I was kind of envious. I wanted to be over there with them and meeting all these cool people that I know from across the pond. Mm-hmm. And Dan Dan was one of them. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's cool. He's been on our podcast. So Simon. Simon's been on our podcast. Yes, he has. Too. He has. He has. Mm-hmm. They're good people and so glad to be part of this podcasting world, I tell you. By the way, this is episode number 143 of Take Him With You for October 30th, 2011. I kind of goofed it up at the beginning because I, I was being Count Dracula. Yeah. Yes, yes, you were. You're not a real fan of Halloween, are you? No. You like I'm the not. candy. Yes, as a matter of fact, I, I have a confession to make. Yeah, she did it. She told I me did. she wouldn't, and she did it. You guess, we, can you guess what she did? Yeah, I bet everyone. But we bought 
we bought two bags of Reese's peanut butter cups. And she ate one. And I didn't eat the whole bag. I just broke into it and ate a few of them. Yeah. Um, but we still have um, some Snickers, and you know, and it, you know, it's kind of like it. I I don't know if anybody else has has moral issues with with Halloween. I it, it's moral not, issues. It's not the most godly. Um, oh, okay, thing. all right, yeah. So you're just yeah. not into the vampires and the. I I'm not into the, the ghosts and the witches Blah. and the ghouls and the monsters. I'm not really into that kind of thing, but zombies. You know, what about zombies? Do you like zombies? But I like little kids, and it's just um, I just would feel bad if they came to my door asking for candy, and I didn't give them candy. Of course you would. They'd throw things at you. Well, but we give out candy, but we I, never get any trick or treaters, so it doesn't matter. Well, we get about four or five. Yeah, yeah, we don't. We're other people get like hundreds. Yeah, but. It's I'm just where sure. we live. We're not quite sure. We may go and spend some time with our son and daughter-in-law that live in the city kind of of Aberdeen, which isn't a huge city, but the town of Aberdeen. Hey, remember this? We live in the Do country. you remember this? Carl, The Littlest Zombie by Rick Moyer. There once was a zombie named Carl. He was infected at a very young age. Not that many people know of the existence of child zombies, but they are real. This particular zombie, out of many, was one of the most thoughtful and conscientious zombies to grace the planet. It was a morning like most others, and Carl was sitting at the table. His parents had been out all night doing what zombies do, but his mother still had her obligations. Today, she was serving Carl's breakfast before school. Carl had a concerned look on his face, and with a flap of rotten skin falling to the table and a tuft of hair coming out, he looked up at his mother and stated, Why are we zombies, Mom? What's our purpose? Imagine that. A zombie questioning his existence. His mother mumbled in a tired voice, Why do you ask, Carl? Well, the kids at school were teasing me the other day, and they were calling me some pretty bad names. I didn't like it, and Bobby Parker pushed me off the tetherball court because I was losing some body fluid, and everybody laughed at me, and I got to thinking, what makes me a zombie and them not? His mother stopped for a moment and looked at Carl. He was only ten years old, and he had been given so much thought to the question that, well, it kind of scared his mother. This is odd, because most of the time, zombies are not scared at all. You are just different, Carl said his mom in a moaning tone. It was hard enough to be awake at this hour, let alone philosophical, especially for a zombie. Like I said before, Carl was different than most zombies. Not only was he young, but he actually thought things through, which, for his mom, was uncomfortable. Zombies don't usually think about anything except for walking aimlessly and hunting humans. She responded curtly, "'Shut up and eat your shredded feet!' Carl sighed and ate the rest of his breakfast. He grabbed his backpack, stuffed a few severed body parts in, and a bird carcass that the cats had caught the day before, and headed out the door. Oh, yes. He also put on the sunglasses he looted from the dollar store a few nights ago on a zombie rampage through downtown. In the post-apocalyptic fervor that ensued, many of the shops had been broken into so that the zombies could hide behind the merchandise and pop out at the appropriately scary and tense moments. 
During that time, Carl had found sunglasses on display and pocketed the silver mirror lenses with the black rims. Cool, he thought. He had seen the sheriff wear similar ones that he expected were much more expensive than the ones he had. Maybe if he carried a shotgun and ordered people around, the other kids would respect him. For now, he would just have to settle for wearing macho eyewear. They did look kind of like the ones that Chuck Norris wore. Carl liked Chuck Norris because he wasn't afraid of zombies. Walking down the sidewalk, he slightly drug one leg because that is what zombies do. This, of course, left a long skid mark in his wake. He hated that. No matter where he went, people knew where he had come from. He didn't ever seem to catch a break. He felt so trapped in a life that had nowhere to go. He felt so dead, which he was. It was the same every day. School, home, nap, killing, maiming. There was never anything different. Oh, there was the occasional zombie-killing posse composed of local law enforcement and movie-like heroes, but they were far and few between. Oh yes, life was much different from the movies for a zombie. At school, Carl was learning about history. No zombies were ever mentioned. Not one. It was as though he and his people just didn't exist. Carl felt horribly misunderstood. The only things he liked about history class were the stories about adventurous people. They were really neat. He dreamed of maybe being the very first zombie explorer. Daydreaming for Carl was very dangerous, though. And if he let his mind wander, he would drool and moan unexpectedly. This, of course, would cause laughter from the other children and snap him out of his undead stupor. So was the ordinary life of Carl, the ten-year-old zombie. Was there any way out of his dilemma? Could he escape his mundane life of simply existing to kill and feast on human flesh? And was there anything more to life? Of course there was. But Carl had no way of knowing. He could only dream about what could be. No one around him challenged him to think any different. If he was going to change, he was going to need different surroundings as well as a change in thinking. He thought about making a tweet to his cell phone, but then rethought that as zombies often lose fingers when texting. It was lunchtime, and as Carl sat all alone at a table in the corner, the other children mocked him. They with their hamburgers and salads, him with his rotting bird carcass and leftover elbow from the night before, sat going through the motions. It was at this point where Carl had an epiphany. He had had enough. It was time. He sat his food down and rose to his feet, then climbed onto the chair, then up onto the table. He wasn't the tallest zombie in the world, but standing on the table, he towered over the lunch crowd. His plan had worked. Most people will turn and look at someone standing on a table, especially a zombie. He cleared his throat, and as the dust settled, a cockroach crawled down his shirt. He spoke clearly and succinctly, which is hard to do when you're a zombie. There has to be something more, he shouted. Everyone stared at him. It seemed like an eternity went by before one kid in the back of the room yelled, Sit down, you moron! Without even thinking, Carl yelled back, That's zombie to you, Mr. Z-O-M-B-I-E! Zombie! There will always be people who don't want to hear about change. 
Besides, this was the first time that a zombie had spoken out with words that were intelligible. The hush lingered, and he shouted it again. There has to be something more! He lowered his voice some and said, I know I'm a zombie, but I am not going to live this way anymore! People looked on in disbelief. You know, you are too, he said hesitantly. I see you following people you don't even know anything about. Your little caste system and the way the mob rules. You should be ashamed of yourselves. I don't want to be a zombie anymore and you don't have to be either. Low whispers could be heard across the lunchroom. Some wiped tears from their eyes. They hadn't ever considered that. They were just as much a zombie as Carl was. They were actually worse because they knew better. They killed every day with their words and they hurt with their feeding off of one another. They all complained and whined. They attacked the weak people on a daily basis. Many of them simply existed to feed their flesh. Could it be that a compassionate zombie's words were getting through to them? Carl's head was filled with excitement and dread all at the same time. This just wasn't done. He was forging new territory, and he knew it. He had a lot of change ahead of him, if he was going to make good on his promise. He was going to go against all he knew, but for freedom, it was totally worth it. Someone of his kind was bound to break the mold someday. It might as well be Carl. He may have been little, but his dreaming was big. Imagine that. A zombie with dreams. He knew that it would not be easy, but it would be worth it. And it worked. Oh, it wasn't without its problems, because although the student body started changing, Carl was still an actual zombie. Many embarrassing moments were at hand, like the time Carl was making a point at the pep assembly, and while raising his arm in the air to lead a cheer, it fell off. Still, it was worth it, because Carl finally felt alive. Something which you can imagine is hard for a zombie to ever feel. It even had a physical effect on him, with his skin clearing up and his speech becoming much more articulate. The really great part, that was because of Carl's enthusiasm and his exposure to new circles of people, he was able to participate in experimental gene therapy, which helped him a great deal. His life took on new meaning because he realized that there was more to life than just going along with the crowd. There was a whole new world available to him if he only opened his eyes to new possibilities. You don't always have to be a zombie. A lesson that Carl, the littlest zombie, learned quite well. What do you think? Who would have thought that we would have zombies that tell moral stories? I got another one that I wrote that's scary, though. I haven't even let you listen to it. No, I, I probably don't want to listen to it. I don't really Ooh, like scary Scary. I wrote it for the Treks and Sci-Fi Halloween special. Uh, People aren't going to... Yeah, it's kind of different. It gives you chills. Yeah, I don't really like scary It has stuff. a moral to it, though. It does? It does have a moral to it. It's def- It's nef- Well, it's not obvious, but it is there. Well, I like your friend Brett's zombie story. Yeah, that's the pretty Amish cool. Yeah, people. Yeah, the the rural dead is the name of it. Yeah, it was. You know, for you can zo- find it at themartiansarehere dot com. For a zombie story, I liked it. I don't usually like zombie stories. No, nah, you don't. But 
Yeah, I'm just I I haven't really been much into Halloween stuff. I always have since I was a little kid. But then when I became a believer, everybody at church said I shouldn't be into it, so I wasn't for a long time and you know, whatever. <laughs> well, I don't know. I I kind of like to celebrate joy joyful. Oh, I'm just having fun with it. It doesn't have anything to do with you know, I mean, some people will get all extreme and say, it's a satanic holiday, rah. But, you know, I am, you know, maybe for some people, but so just about any day is like that for some people. Um, so I don't, I, of course, don't celebrate Satan. I, I don't do that. So, yeah. yeah I kind of yeah, like yeah. God. So, yeah, that, yeah. I hope so. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this week, what did you, what, what was going on this week for you? you it was crazy again. Yeah. We had my birthday. Very that was fun. Busy. Yeah. We, um, Worked. I worked all week, and then the middle of the week was your birthday. Yeah, and um, you got me Star Star Trek glasses, mm-hmm. the original crew. And I got you a Star Trek watch, but we have to figure yeah, out how to make it work. It doesn't work though, but it's that's because it was made back in 1989. So it may just need a new battery, which we need to take it in to today or tomorrow when we go. To see if we can store. have a jeweler fix it. Yeah, and we might even be able to have it fixed at Walmart. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would want to trust them with it. Yeah, I'm not sure. So A collectible mm-hmm. Star Trek watch. I got you a Star Trek watch and some Star Trek glasses. Yeah, that was nice. That was very nice. Yeah, Catherine got you a, um, a new microfiber cloth to um, clean your electronics with. That's true, too. And yeah. Um, I think she went in on your watch, and and another thing that you're not getting till Sunday, <coughs> till today. Mm-hmm. Well, tomorrow. So yeah. we record this on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So hopefully you're gonna like it. It was expensive, so I hope you really. Like it. Yeah. Great. It was kind of yeah. Hmm. Can't really afford expensive right now. Mm, well, I saved up. Okay. So. Yeah, it, it. I don't know if you're going to be thrilled or not. I hope you'll like it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Usually I try to make sure you're thrilled with your presents. Yeah, I already got my birthday presents early, though. Yeah, you got your HP touchpad. I'm using it right now. Yeah, what yeah. else did you get? I got a um, cover for my Kindle. Yep. Mm-hmm. That would be, oh, sorry, a Kindle cover. A Kindle cover, mm-hmm. yes. I, mm-hmm. li- I like my <clears throat> my voice went away. I like my Kindle I like, cover. I like my Kindle cover. It's really oh, maybe nice. you're turning into a zombie. I like my Kindle cover. You know what's really sad is what I is kinda, sad? I kind of feel like a zombie today. I worked all week and then I worked all week and I worked all day. And um, this time of year, um, there's stuff I don't know trees or different things that I'm allergic <laughs> to. There's trees and certain well, things that things, I'm allergic to. Things that. Like, my mom used to say it's alder. I don't know why alder in the fall. Know. But something in the fall, I usually get rather stuffy-headed. So I ate some chicken noodle soup earlier, and I don't know that that really helped, but it tasted good. <laughs> <laughs> so right. I kind of feel like a zombie because I'm going like, uh, my head. But um, other than that, life is pretty good. We're going to have a um, family get-together at our son Nathan I didn't and get his to wife t- Ivy's house tomorrow. Yeah, but I didn't get to tell um, uh, what I did on my birthday. Oh, yeah. Tell us what. I was getting there, but I don't know how come. I think it's my zombie head. 
I well, I, I was taken out by my middle son, Andrew, who's mm-hmm. Mr. Money Earner in our family now because he's, well, just for him, but he works um, at a fancy construction place and took me out and along with everybody else, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. went out for pizza at uh, a beautiful restaurant in our town called... When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. I went to the restaurant. Amore. Bells will ring, tingle-ling-a-ling, tingle-ling-a-ling, and you'll sing Vita Bella. Hearts will play, tippy-tippy-tay, tippy-tippy-tay, like a guitar and Okay, all right, all right, all right. All right. Okay. Anyway. We, uh, we went to a restaurant called Amore. An Italian restaurant that served huh. pizza, raw pizza. Well, it could have been cooked a little bit more, but it tasted But the salad okay. was good, mm-hmm. and the ambience, ambience was fantastic. And you got me a really cool cake from Susie's Cakes, a place mm-hmm. I really like. And, and what did your cake look like? It was. It looked like it was blue or purple. It it was spray painted. Spray painted? Well, with a special dye. Edible, edible yeah. Our tongues were paint. all blue. And it had purple and blue spray paint on it, stars. And it said, happy birthday, and Rick. And then it had these had angry Saturn. eyes. I'm not sure why it had angry eyes on it. I think that was like Marvin the Martian or something. Oh, okay. Because I couldn't figure out why it had angry eyes. I thought it was like, don't forget your angry eyes. <laughs> but it, you know, and then one side said Star Trek and the other had little musical notes on it. It was cute. Yes. And it was, you were so funny. You know, I like cake, and I will way overdo it on cake. Mm-hmm. And you got the perfect size. Each one of us got a slice, and it was gone. Yes, it it was plenty big, I think. Oh, man, I because, could eat all of it. Uh, I love cake. I don't like cake that much. I love cake and the frosting. I especially don't like that really rich frosting, but you like it. And so that's, we got what you like because it was your birthday. And then my son Nathan and his wife Ivy uh, mm-hmm. bought me a brand new album. Check this out. This is just awesome, awesome music by a band that I have liked for oh five, six years now. So what's the name of the band? What? Dreams. Countless words. 
called Gungor. I have their first album on my iPad. Yeah? iPod. Yeah. He's also the one that wrote that really cool song that we like, God is not a white man. Yeah, I like that one. And this is just a crowning achievement of his. It's called Ghosts Upon the Earth is the name of the album. Well, I gotta tell you, if you if you listen to this album with uh, stereo headphones, it's quite an experience. Show us the love of God. He's got a cool voice and a cool music. Sister, son, it's very creative. So are you going to share the album with me? Sure. So there's another song This here. is on iTunes, so... Your yeah, son, people can pick this up on iTunes. He bought it for me on iTunes, gifted me the album. And he got you the perfect card, too. Oh, for I your know. birthday. Can you tell him about your card? I like Gungor, though. He's got some, some really cool stuff. His name is Michael Gungor. And Very creative. Yeah, I like his, his stuff. So you can get it on iTunes. It's called... Ghosts Upon the Earth by Michael Gungor, or the band. Now I think they just call themselves Gungor. G U N G O R. So describe the card that Nathan and Ivy found for you. Oh, it Nathan, was hilarious. Yeah, they got me this card that um, had a picture of a dog jumping up and down on the couch, going, uh, Time for a road trip, time for a road trip, or something like that. Uh-huh. And then there's a, this uh, like fat cat sitting next to it, and it just looking at him like, Shut up, you know you can't drive. And and uh, you open it up, it says, have a fun adventure on your birthday or something like that. But it was totally jade and stripy. Yes. It was our cat and dog 
personality. And Catherine and I got you a cat um, yeah. card too. And so did my sister. Yeah, yeah. What's the deal there? I don't know. They, I, guess I like cats. Know you're obsessed with your I'm pets. I'm not obsessed with my pets. Yeah, you are. I am not. Yes, you are. Since what? You're just as obsessed. I'm not as obsessed. You are too. We have new news in our family, though. I went down to my mom's house on Thursday. Mm -hmm. That's not real news. And Wednesday night, she adopted a kitty. It is so cute. It looks like our stripey kitty, but it's a girl. You're so obsessed with animals, Rick. I know. And then you're going off on this cat. (laughs) It's such a cute little kitty. It's a, a... um, she adopted it from like Hava, which is like the Humane Society thing down in Willapa yeah. Harbor. And um, it's just so sweet and it's really playful <coughs> and lovey, except for um, I made the mistake of leaving the guest room door open. And you didn't sleep much, did you? No, it played kitty rodeo on top of me all yeah. night long. Cats do that at night. And they're kittens. Yeah. It was like six months old, but it's small for a six-month-old because it had been a stray. But it's very affectionate. Okay. Well, I was gonna gonna thank you for the great birthday, but uh, you okay. went on to talk about a cat and tell me I'm obsessed with my animals. <laughs> but I did have a great birthday. It was nice. Yeah. It was real mellow. You know, it's so different having birthdays now than it was it used to be. So, it's uh, I'm just happy to have one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just make me happy. Just so, be alive and breathe. And and uh, I was overwhelmed on Facebook. I had so many happy birthdays that you had uh, almost as many happy birthdays as I have Facebook friends. Yeah, well, yeah. so I couldn't even really respond to everyone because it would have taken me a day to do so. So mm-hmm. I do want to say thank you to everybody, especially you podcast listeners that uh, sent us a nice little uh, uh, note and said happy birthday. That was very nice of you. Thank you. Very sweet. And my birthday's next. Next Wednesday. Yes, I have no idea what we're doing. I think I don't maybe... either. I'm not sure what we're doing. We'll do something fun. How about if we just stay home? Well, I was thinking about taking you to Mazenlon. Oh well, maybe I go out for. Yeah, Mazenlon. maybe I'll go out there. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. There won't be any Italian singing there, man. It'll just boom, 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 <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Taco burrito. Let's eat now. <laughs> sorry, sorry, well, signorita. See, you don't reali- people don't realize what a sacrifice that is because you really don't care for Mexican food that much. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. But it's not your first pick. Nope, it's not. Yeah. So. Hey, we got to uh, watch the premiere of Chuck for the last season. Yes, I like Chuck. Did you like the show? Was it good? Yeah, I mean. There it's might Chuck. be some edits, but I just really like the show Chuck. I think it's really funny, and um, for the most part, it's pretty sweet. There there may be a couple little scenes where um, one of the characters might not wear enough clothes. But other than that, You think Chuck very, doesn't wear enough clothes? No, Chuck wears enough clothes. His co-star sometimes doesn't wear enough clothes. Well, that's that's why it has such a, a wide appeal to the audience, too. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed. You don't that think it's some, just the shenanigans that go on in I, Bymore, do you? I noticed that some that they have a lot of like college age guys that like Chuck, and that, <laughs> I don't think it's because they like Chuck. I think they like his co-star. Oh, but, now don't be like um, that. But they're oh come on. We now. get a lot of of chuckles out of watching. Out Chuck. of chuckles, out of Chuck. 
Yes. That's funny. Okay, so then after Chuck uh, um, premiered on Friday night, then there's a brand new show that uh, they just came out with on NBC called Grimm. Mm-hmm. Now, tell us a little bit about that TV program. We watched it, and we were reluctant about watching We We also watched another one, I think it was on ABC, called Once Upon a Time, mm-hmm. which was fascinating. It was, it was kind of interesting. But this one called Grimm was way mm-hmm. different than what we normally watch. Tell us about the program. Oh, Spoiler well, alert, everybody, if you I, haven't watched it. I'll just tell about my reaction. My reaction to the program was that I jumped off my seat about two or three times yeah they had some good suspenseful moments didn't you know it it's um it was a little bit gory at first well yeah Um, i mean the whole what's the premise of it the premise of it is that there is a a man that is in like like the grim fairy tales he's like a grim that supposedly can banish evil fairy tale people okay now you gotta go back okay so the premise of the show is that the grim fairy tales were not fairy tales they were yeah. based in fact and there was a line of people called the grims yes. that mm-hmm. were able to to uh, fight off the to evil fight monsters. off the evil monsters and yeah. they have been going on through time and this guy finds out that he's a grim because his aunt or somebody his aunt is, is passing away is dying and so he's starting to see weird things he's starting to see people for who they really are so so like they'll manifest into their demonic form yeah in front of him and, and no one else can and see and no one else can it, see that but he, that, has but he like, does it, if sense. we want to get biblical about it, he has like discerning, discerning of, of spirits. spirits. <laughs> yes, yes. But, but it was I'm done. Not okay, sure so that they're trying to be biblical about it. What did it, you but. think of the special effects and stuff? Well, the special effects were actually scary. really well done. But scary. They were scary. I was and, surprised that and they I can think show they that. They used a little of like um, Hitchcock kind of stuff because it wasn't all direct scary. Sometimes no. it was like suspenseful, dark, yeah. and you know, angles. And but hey, man, a couple of times those faces were really scary. Yeah, there was some For scary stuff. And right at the very end, Ooh. there was something that made you go, hmm, he doesn't know what he's getting into, that there's yeah. bad guys where he doesn't know there's bad guys that he thinks are good guys. and Yeah. And so it... It was, um, hmm, I, I'm not sure. It's not my normal thing. I think one of the things that I was interested about it is that it was filmed in the Northwest, just a couple hours away from us in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Um, so it, that kind of gives it a kind of dark feel, unfortunately, um, <laughs> because the Northwest, it's overcast a lot. That's why they chose to film. Cool woods and everything. Yeah, that's why they chose to film the Twilight series in the Northwest is because we have a lot of cloud cover, <coughs> a lot of dark days. That's right. I'm telling you. So, you know. Are you going to watch it again? I, yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. It comes on right after Chuck, and Chuck is one of our favorite shows. So, so you might, might watch it again. But it is a little bit scarier than I normally watch. I usually yeah. don't like scary movies. But if the good guys win, I'm a little bit, might be okay with it. I just don't, I really don't like scary movies when the bad guys win. You know, like I wouldn't watch those like. Well, the bad guys didn't win in this one. Yeah. But you know what I'm talking about? Like yes. I don't like movies like Shining or 
or Exorcist or right, the right. You don't watch Jason horror. You don't horror. like horror movies. I don't like horror movies. But that. this does seem like a little bit like the good guys might prevail, so I might might tolerate it. Okay. I like I like um good overcoming evil, light overcoming darkness kind of stuff. All right. There we go. Okay, well that's enough of what's going on around our house. Mm-hmm. We we had a really great time interviewing a very special person in our lives that we mm-hmm. uh, we care a great deal about. Um, she actually has been, uh, well, you'll hear her story when she shares it on the, on the interview, but uh, she right now is currently the uh, lead pastor at the church that we go to uh, called Connection Church. It's a small little church um, in our town that is doing things a little bit differently than the than bigger churches and stuff because it's a little more laid back, a little more casual, but very much caring and uh, that's why we like it. Yes, it it's more relational. It's not as program oriented. Program oriented. Not that they won't have programs eventually as we grow and everything, but you but know. It's kind of nice at this point just to you know, sit around tables and visit and not have all the... The messages are really strong. Mm-hmm. And and our, our uh, one of our friends um, does the music and stuff there, and he does a great job. So He used to be youth pastor when we yeah, were Yeah, when pastors. I was the lead pastor, he was my youth pastor, and, and we had a great time he's together. he's the worship leader at, yeah. at the church we go to. Yeah, and he does a great job. So yeah. um, we're going to play this. Now, here's what we wanted to talk about uh, on this interview, and it, it does get into it, but we had been talking about, we did a podcast not too long ago where, Amy, you talked a lot about women mm-hmm. in the world today and, um, you know, does the world look down on women? Are women second-class citizens? So on and so forth. And um, we started to branch out in how women were looked at within church and within the the religious aspect of life, and found very quickly that um, a lot of oppression, a lot of um, a lot of uh, prejudice, a lot of um, bad things go on towards women in religious circles. Mm-hmm. You're, what are you doing? Oh, I was just wondering. I was going to look for the comments. Oh, you, you know what? We I put out. We probably don't have time. Do no, we? and then we got such diverse comments. It was really interesting. You can go if you can find it. I don't think you can find it because it got buried under the birthday bushes. Oh yeah, that's that will take me a long time to find. So maybe well, we'll we did pass we, we did ask the question. Do you think or why do you think there's bias exists today towards women in the church? We got tons of different comments. Some people said, mm-hmm. well, it's because of the certain scriptures. Some people said. Well, it's because they don't understand those certain scriptures. It went back and forth between a lot of different ideas. Mm-hmm. But suffice it to say, what Amy and I believe is, I mean, if you listen to this program, you know, we believe that men and women are equal in the eyes of God and that they both should have equal opportunity to minister and to serve and to be everything that, that God has called them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't put limitations on if a person is a is a woman or a man when it comes to ministry aspects of things. So um, that we were looked at kind of funny for that sometimes. But you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. The more research that I do, the more I find that uh, there seems to be a very patriarchal and a very um, uh, male chauvinist look at women in ministry and uh, that exists today still on this planet, and mm-hmm. uh, not just in Christianity. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of a lot of different uh, religions, 
women are looked at as second-class citizens, and that should not be, yeah. in my opinion. What about your opinion? Um, it's probably as stronger, stronger than your opinion. You know, just because, you know, I am a woman, and I don't like to be left out of things or... or well, then there's no reason of, you should be. That's the... Thought of as lesser or... Um, you know, I, I do know that sometimes there will be different roles or different responsibilities that men and women might have at different times. Mm-hmm. But I know that that Jesus really made a lot of um, groundbreaking changes when it came to how women were viewed. He And we talk about that with Chris. Yeah, so, so why don't we, why don't we go ahead and play the that. interview? Yeah. Okay, we're going to play this. This was an interview with Carista Lewis, the pastor of Connection Church in Aberdeen, Washington. And uh, this is part one. I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back um, to wrap up at the end of this uh, interview. So stick around. in our home today happens to be a good a longtime friend of ours and the pastor of our church Carista how are you I'm wonderful thank Thank you for letting me come oh we're just thrilled that you're here with us today we've actually just been a long time coming yeah we've been thinking about um having you on the program and well since we're kind of doing a, a relationship and and how we get along, not only in the church, but uh, with each other and so on and so forth. We thought it would be a good time to bring you in and talk specifically about something that really is, I don't know, it's an issue that gets pretty hot really quick. Yes. People get all upset about things like this that we're going to talk about. In a moment, I'll reveal what it is. But uh, people get all all cranked out of shape about this particular thing. And, and of course, with us is Amy. Of course. Hi. Hi, dear. Happy birthday, Amy. Oh, happy birthday to you. Which, um, no, it's, yeah, af- it's that's actually... after the fact. It's before yours and after mine. Oh, nice. Yeah. When this well, airs. When it airs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're Thank just thrilled you, to have you in our home. We Most of the time we interview people over Skype because they live either in England or Australia or halfway across the country. And we actually get to talk to a live flesh and blood person in our front room. Hey, look at that. Yeah, that's yeah. very cool. Um. We want to cover today the subject of women being in ministry settings. And by that, for those of you that are listening that say ministry, like a foreign minister or what? No, no, no. We're talking about ministry when it comes to like church activities, spiritual activities. Um, so when, when we use the word minister, it really means to serve. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the actual word. I mean, the, that's what it means. And so... Um, so we're we're going to talk today about women in ministry, because you are a woman in in ministry. I am, and you have you've been doing this since you were very young. You've been ministering to people, um, and you've been telling people about God for a long time. And I'm sure you have plenty of of interesting situations and stories that you could share with us. 
on perhaps maybe the prejudice that exists in the church world and not just in the church world, but in our world as it is. Sometimes uh, we did have a, a whole program that we talked about. Amy's not talking very much. I'm surprised. Oh, I, you, we did have a whole program yeah, that we, we did, did on just women the, in general. The reason and, why I stopped talking is my, my teleprompter here, which is go, my, go dark. it went yeah. dark. Uh, so yeah, I had to yeah. turn it back on. Yeah. My wife. Yeah. So Carista, if you don't mind, we're going to just kind of throw things off the table here and say, let's, let's not worry about people getting upset. Let's, let's just deal with this straight on. And let's talk about some stuff that affects, well, 50% of the population on the yeah. planet Earth. Yeah. And that is women in ministry and, and why there's this prejudice. So let me just start out by asking you this question. Um, um, and I didn't put this in your, in your thing, so you're going to have to do this off That's the cuff. Okay. Uh, but where, where do you pastor and how did you, how did you become a pastor? Well, um, currently I'm the lead pastor, which some people may refer to that as senior pastor or, um, yeah, most of the time senior pastor, uh, we call it lead pastor. Um, and I'm currently at connection church in Aberdeen, Washington. Um, I have been a pastor for mm, 10 plus years. Uh, I started as a youth pastor at a small church out on the beach out in Westport, Grayland. And, um, that's kind of how I started. I started, just feeling that call that, that God was speaking to my heart, that I should do something with my life that was, um, dedicated to him and dedicated to serving his kingdom. And so after college, I, um, started as a youth pastor and was there for three and a half years. And during that time felt like the Lord was speaking to me about planting a church. And so I talked to my friend, my good friend, Ryan McCullough and his wife, at the same time, we're feeling that God was speaking to them about planting a church. Not by accident, was it? No. And so um, I jumped on board. I immediately knew that that was what God was speaking to me. And so I just came on staff with him. I mean, I say on staff, I volunteered. I, I work another job and um, just helped to start the church. We started from scratch with a team of, I think there were six of us that started. And I was dedicated to doing youth ministry, but also being a part of just uh, kind of a, what people would consider an associate pastor's role, mm -hmm. just to support Ryan and Angela and what God was calling them to do and what I believed God was calling me to do. And so through that, um, it's been about a six year journey. And um, just in July, Ryan and Angela left to go plant another church in Idaho. And I felt like the Lord for about a year before that, the Lord had been speaking to me about stepping into that position uh, when they left. And so, so, so were you surprised when they announced that they were headed to Idaho? No, because, um, <laughs> Ryan and I about, um, I would say probably three months before Ryan told me personally, um, the Lord had started to kind of shift my heart. Um, I'd been in youth ministry and I felt like I was going to be in youth ministry forever. And I think that's kind of the way God's call goes, kind of the way he speaks to me, at least is you're going to be here. And I always feel like it's forever. And then I just wait real quick. I want to ask now that we have a lot of listeners that mm -hmm. just went, what mm -hmm. God speaks to her. How oh. does that work? So explain <laughs> to me what that means, because, because I know that you hear from God mm -hmm. and I know that anybody that has accepted Christ into their heart, mm -hmm. if they'll take some time and listen, God will speak to them. But how does he do that for you? Is it like some big audible? Do you walk into the door and, and this big booming voice comes out of speakers somewhere? <laughs> or 
How does that I work wish. when you say <laughs> when you say the Lord began to mm-hmm. share with you or mm-hmm. or change your heart? Mm-hmm. How does that look and how does that feel? Um, for me, a lot of times, and actually just through this situation, what happens is I get a little bit restless in my spirit. You know that that feeling or that Uneasy. sense, like something needs to change. Right. I can't pinpoint what it is, and so for myself, what happens in those times is I um. I tend to kind of, I'm more introverted anyways. And so I tend to kind of just withdraw. And as I do that, um, a lot of times I feel like that restlessness comes because, okay, Lord, what's, what's happening. So I start to pray. Um, I pray a lot during those times. I'm talking to God about what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing, what I'm seeing around me. Cause a lot of times when it's time for a change, I'll, I'll be, frustrated with something Mm -hmm. or I'll see that something needs to change, but I'm not the person who can do it or. So, okay. So when you communicate with Mm -hmm. God and you say you pray, a lot of folks that um, are familiar with prayer, maybe through the Catholic church, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, where you have to get on your knees and, and, or somebody else prays for you. You don't, you don't actually, or, or you read a prayer or whatever. Yeah, it sounds like you pray a little bit different than that. So how do you do that? I um, simply have a conversation with God the way we're talking. I, I This is the way I, I talk to God. I write a lot in a journal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not Dear Diary. A lot of right. the, the writing that I do in the journal is, Lord, this is what's going on. And all everything I write tends to be directed towards him. So that seems a lot more natural and a lot more relationship mm-hmm. than than just going through some motions or something like it that. It is. And I um, actually very much value the liturgy of the church. Mm-hmm. I wasn't raised. Um, I was raised in non-denominational um, charismatic or Pentecostal churches, depending on where we are at. But um, I love liturgy because I, I like what it builds in me, mm-hmm. which is a reliance on the, the Lord and, and to read someone else's prayer encourages me. Yeah. And, or, that's, and that's what you mean by liturgy. Yeah. Now we have, mm-hmm. we have some listeners that understand what liturgy is and, and, and some that have no background in church. So what basically liturgy is, it's, it's like, um, pre-written prayers, um, uh, congregational responses, devotions, yeah. devotion, mm-hmm. sermons sometimes. Yeah. Um, and it's already done in book form or yep. in paper on paper or or nowadays electronic yep. and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that's what she's ref- that's what you're referring so, to when yeah. you say like, liturgy. Mm-hmm. Would that include like catechism and stuff like that, or is well, it... I, that's part of the liturgy, mm-hmm. I guess. Richard Pete, our friend, yeah, we'll that have is to a, get um, clarification. <laughs> uh, a is it is it Episcopalian? Is that what yeah. you're in? Is that what Richard's in? Yeah, it, Episcopalian. According to my understanding, is the American form of the Anglican, which the Anglican is the English form of the Catholic Church. Wow, mm. my wife, church it's historian, an offshoot of the Protestant Church. Wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So that's I. I okay. when I pray, it's more conversational, it's more relational. Um, I've always been taught that um, God wants to have a relationship with us, and that's why He created us. And so um, I don't sit with my father and say, "Oh, Father." Would you please and list off a list of things? I have a conversation with him. And so if I'm going to have a conversation with my heavenly father, with God, then um, I'm just going to talk to him. And so when I start sensing that things are changing or that something needs to change, I start to push in a little bit more. And what I mean by push in is just simply be intentional about what I'm what I'm asking God for or what Mm -hmm. I'm talking to him about. I think I think a lot of times people miss what God is trying to say to them because they're not paying attention to what's going on around them. 
Because God does yeah. speak through a lot mm-hmm. of different people. He'll even speak through people that you would never expect. I agree. And situations yeah. you would never dream. Yeah. And and but I think a lot of times we're we're not listening. We're not tuning in. You know, mm-hmm. I was telling somebody the other day. I think it was at a at a reception at a funeral, and I was telling somebody the other day that um, God is like the radio. He's always on. We just don't always tune in. It's true. That's very <laughs> true. And a lot of times that's how I feel. Um, is that I'm just, I'm missing something. That restlessness comes and I'm like, okay, good Lord. And so about three months before Ryan told me that they were thinking about and they felt like God was maybe speaking to them about going to Idaho, uh, the Lord started asking me one simple question. And what I mean by the question is, I can't explain exactly how it comes. It's not audible. I don't, I don't hear the Lord's voice. But in my spirit, the question that kept coming was, when Ryan leaves, will you be lead pastor? Mm. And of course, my reaction to that question was... Well, he's not leaving, so I'm not going to answer that question. But and he for, was. I know. And for three months, um, I just simply, that was the only thing the Lord would speak to me. The only thing that the question would come. And, kind of gnawing at you. Yeah, and it just gnawed. And I, I mean, I, I got, it was just a frustrating, frustrating time for me because yeah. it wasn't what I had thought was going to happen. It wasn't. Um, did you feel a little bit, did it feel funny, like, like maybe... I mean, God was already, he was preparing. Like I was usurping my. Yeah, did it yeah. feel like you maybe were, you were being disloyal to Ryan? It, totally. But, and you are not like that. <laughs> no, so. uh-uh. And Ryan is a good friend. Oh, and yeah. so for me, um, it was really difficult because I felt like, well, is this just me? Like, am I trying to, because I'd never thought of myself as a person who wanted to be a lead pastor. I didn't, right. I didn't aspire to that, so to speak. I really wanted to serve the Lord in youth ministry and, right. and, and maybe an associate role or teaching, but I wasn't sitting there going, I'm going to be a lead pastor of a church, a whole church. And so it did feel a little bit, I'm a very loyal person. And mm-hmm. so it felt for, like to me, like I shouldn't even answer this because it's it, disloyal. I bet it was an awesome day. <laughs> when Ryan told you and you went, well, now I know uh, it, why it was. And it was actually literally one of those moments where, um, <laughs> oh. Ryan and I had coffee and he looked at me and he goes, what's going on? What's what, you know, cause he knew Ryan knows me very well and he knew God was doing something. Yeah. And I said, I don't know because I couldn't say to him, this is the question that is happening. Right. Because how do I say that to someone who, Hey, in, I, in that position. I, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean the day before we had coffee, I'd finally said, Lord, Fine. Whatever you want. I've always said whatever, whenever, however, wherever. God, I'm there. Whatever you want me to do, I'm I'm up for it. And so I finally just said, I'm yes, Lord. If Ryan leaves, I will be I'll lead pastor up. of Connection up. Church. If you will that. If you make that happen, if people see I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board. And honestly I was thinking, and it's not going to for some reason this is just a crazy <laughs> thing. Um so the next day I had coffee with Ryan and he had just gone to Idaho. And I was like, so how was your trip? And so he started telling me, and he said, yeah, we met the superintendent of the Idaho "Hmm, network. And I was like, really? That's interesting. I said, how was that? And he goes, it was really good. Um, He said, but they... uh, they asked us to possibly think about planting a church. And I laughed. (laughs) I mean, I really started laughing. And I go, and it literally was in my spirit, like that click. It felt like a click. And it was like, okay. This is what you've been saying, Lord. See, that's cool. And it was it was like an wide open, like my eyes just came open. I was like, okay, I have not been just like hearing something weird or, and it wasn't something I could confess to people or talk to people about because how do you, how do you talk about that? 
And so, um, it was one of those times where I just wrestled a lot and it was good and it's been a journey. I mean, it's been a year and almost, it'll be almost two years in April that we had that conversation. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't know that because we, we wanted well, to do it right. And just say no. That, yeah. And we wanted to transition well and sure. we wanted to do that right. And, and so I think sometimes, um, and not everyone, but I think some people thought that maybe I just was, I was just there. So they so just, they just did put it. You in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And I, I felt a call to that. Yeah. I felt, I felt like the Lord had spoken to me. And so that was important for me to tell people my story. So Ex- I've been able to do that. Excellent. Um, we're going to ask the, we actually haven't even asked the first question on our notes, but I'm going to ask you one more question before that. No problem. Okay. People are listening. They're hearing you talk like you have this relationship with God, like you actually talk back and forth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is that unique to you or is anybody that believes in God, can they have that? I believe that anyone who um, chooses to to seek the Lord, to believe in him, um can so okay so we i know that we have should by the way okay well okay (laughs) i know we have listeners right now that have recently put their trust and their faith in god Mm -hmm. and they may struggle with well now what Um, what do i do here and you're saying and of course they've heard me talk about this and amy talk about this too you're saying that you can have actual conversations here and pour your heart out to god and that's communicating with him yeah Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I um I It's not unique just to It's pastors. not just pastors, no. I think and believe that everyone can have that. Even Jade? No. My dog <laughs> All just dogs jumped up. go to heaven. Hi. That's yeah. right. Hi Jade. Hi dog. It's a very spiritual dog. <laughs> she is. Okay, great. Um why do you think that prejudice exists for women in church and ministry positions? Why do you think that is today because it is it is and there there's a that's a big question um one that i will be um i'm actually working on my master's degree and my thesis is going to be talking about women in ministry so i'll be looking at some of those things so i'm excited about that it's not fully developed at all i'm just beginning the just process starting so. the process of, um it's a lot of work yeah a lot of work um but there's a couple of reasons and I jotted down some things cause Rick, you sent me these questions ahead of time, which yes, was thank- yes, thankful. I did. Thank you for, for that. Um, <laughs> I think one of the biggest things that strikes me about the prejudice that happens with women in ministry, especially inside the church. And we're talking about the church world right now. Um, I think one of it is that we tend to, as people see differences as inferiority. And so, um, you know, men and women are different. Mm-hmm. And for some, somewhere along the line, we decided that um, logical, rational, and this is part of modernity and, and what we've done with the modern age, but rational, logical, non-feeling is better. Like Spock. And that's, right. And that's the, that's the leader. That's the, that's the person you want to lead. Well, and we're general, I'm generalizing, but tends to be that men tend to be less emotionally driven and women tend to be, or, or not emotionally driven, but a bit more left, little brain. bit left brain, right brain, that sort of thing. There's differences. We, right. I mean, there's differences between men and women. Um, but we tend to, and we have tended to take that and make it an inferiority issue or a hierarchy, you know, like, a okay, cl- so men are system. right. A class system. Men are, are the leaders because we value logic and ra- rationale and, you know, um, those things 
And then um, women will follow. They're the followers because they'll be the ones who nurture and, and that sort of stuff. And, and I think it's a false system. I think that's what the issue is, is that we um, have created this false system of, well, logical means you're a better leader. Well, I, I actually tend to disagree with that because I believe that our God is relational. Yeah. And I should say right off the bat, I don't believe that all women should be pastors, but I also don't believe that all men should be pastors. I'm that's not true. I'm not sitting here saying that, well, every woman should do this. I believe that the Lord calls people, that, that he gifts people to do things and to live out in service to the kingdom. And that's what you can do. And if you are called to be um, a, a wife and a mother and have a home that you make and you are hospitable and you have this gifting of hospitality and you, you do this, then you are a woman who is following your calling and your purpose in life. And you should do that. And you shouldn't be told that you can't, you right. shouldn't be looked down upon because you do. Cause I know that there's this reverse prejudice that sometimes comes from the feminist movement mm-hmm. towards women who choose to stay mm-hmm. home, right. who choose to do that. And yeah. I, I have some friends who, I mean, they're calling, they are amazing That's what they're supposed mothers. to do. Yeah. They are amazing yeah. wives. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to say also I'm single, so I have a different view on, on that as well. But the truth is, is that we have also created this system that just, we value certain things over other things. And so it does exclude women in a lot of ways. And the other thing, I mean, there's, there are some, some men who are in power who are just plain sexist. Like I just, I just, you have to know that. I know that cause I faced it. Um, mm-hmm. but I've also faced a lot of men who have opened the doors for me and mm-hmm. said, we believe in what God's called you to do. And it's a, I want it to be a world where gifting more than gender becomes the issue. Well, I know the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. There's neither Greek nor Jew, male or female. So Slave or free. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and God looks at that and, and mm-hmm. he looks at people not through the eyes of gender, but through the eyes that they're people. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and he loves everybody the same. Yeah. So how did we get off track? I mean, how, because I know that some people will start quoting scripture and they'll say, well, the Apostle Paul They're said women should him. stay silent in church. Yes. Yeah. And, and it doesn't say anywhere. It says that the, that the deacon and the, and the minister should be the, the husband of, or, or yeah, the yeah. husband of one, one wife. wife. And mm-hmm. that doesn't say he should be the wife of one husband, you yeah. know, and blah, 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 blah. And they, and they pull the whole men are superior and mm-hmm. women well, are. They, they pull scriptures out of context and out of culture, too. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, we could. Go so there. so does <laughs> that thing. does that intimidate you or when, when people start quoting you stuff like that or do you what do you say to people that say that um no I, it doesn't intimidate me it used to um because a lot of i i feel like a, sometimes i'm just a girl like i'm just i'm i'm 32 years old and sometimes i'm like i'm i'm just lord what are you doing i'm just a girl <laughs> like what in the world and the truth is is that um i I just am not intimidated by that because the wep- the Bible is not a weapon at all. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not going to use it to um, proof text my way into an argument. Um, there are biblical passages that support certain things and 
you know, negate other things. But the truth is, is there are many women, if you mm-hmm. read the New Testament and even the Old Testament, who were instrumental in the kingdom being furthered and they were ministers of the gospel. And we can you can take a text out of first Timothy and you can use it as a weapon if you want, Mm -hmm. but I really highly doubt that that's the way the Lord wanted his word used. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I just, I tend to not enter into those arguments. Um, sometimes I want to, sometimes I'm tempted to because you're causing harm. You're sitting there in front of me and you're saying, well, your call is not valid. Right. Do you um, feel like you get written off sometimes? I people? do sometimes. And, and, and not from and everybody, a, obviously. No, not from everyone. I have I have some amazing, amazing friends and family who have supported me. I give my, my father a hard time about ruining me because he has really instilled in me the belief that whatever God called me to do, I could do it and I should do you it. Should do it. Yeah. Not just that not just that I that I should just But push until but you do it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> do what God has called you to do. And yeah. so um Another part of the reason also that there exists this prejudice, and I believe I need to say it because um, people are trying to be faithful to the biblical text. I mean, no matter if I disagree with the view of of marriage and gender, of complementarianism or egalitarianism, which complementarianism basically believes that women are the complement to the man and that men are the leaders. Right. And then egalitarianism is more equal, equal partners in life and in the church and whatever happens, women can minister just the same. And there are other views in between and I'm very simplifying, simplifying those, those views. But, um, the truth is it started with people who wanted to be faithful to the biblical text Now, I also believe that they came with the presupposition of being men in leadership and then interpreting those biblical texts. Right, which can happen to... Everyone. (laughs) And and if you look at like the King James Version of the Bible Mm -hmm. and you don't do any more research than just that, it is very male-centric. Oh, yeah. And the, you know, the, the Hebrew... The Hebrews who were, the, you know, the Israelites who were before the New Testament time were a patriarchal society. And even in Jesus's time in the, the ancient Near East, there was a patriarchal society, male dominated society. And so um, what you see there, though, is that Jesus just went beyond all the borders. Yes, he, he saw did. all the walls. He saw all the things that we had erected to keep us separate from him and keep us separate from each other. And he went across them. I mean, he revealed himself to a Samaritan woman who it's a whole big deal that she was a Samaritan even anyways. And he because actually were, talked to her. And he talked to her and he actually said that he was the son of God. And that was a huge deal. And she became a missionary. You right. may not have that. Mm-hmm. She may not have that title, right. but she was she a did. missionary. Oh. And yeah. so... She went and told her whole village, like, and they right came away. and met him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and 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 this was a woman also that, um, I mean, he talked to her and he saw her for who she was, and um, that's beautiful, and that's the savior. That's that's the son of God, the mm-hmm. one who came to save us. What a great example! And if you can see that, if you can say that we as Christians today are supposed to be like Jesus, if we're supposed to live like him then we have to be people that go across those borders too. And we have to be people that say, you know what? The world says that women are less than. Well, that's not what God says. That's right. And you can argue about church, um, you know, leadership and those sort of things. But the truth is, is if you don't come at it from a humble standpoint of I'm just a child of God like you, 
mm-hmm. you're going to do more harm than good. Yeah. And you leave out so many people, the margins, women are marginalized a lot. And I know that some people would say, well, that's not true, but the, it is true. And mm-hmm. The marginalization of people, I believe that Jesus wants to reach across that. And he reached over those walls, not just to women, to lepers. I mean, you go through all of the the meetings and encounters mm-hmm. he had, mm-hmm. and it's all about saying, okay, I value you as a, as a person. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we come in contact with people who maybe hold that prejudice of women shouldn't be in leadership or ministry, I think sometimes... Um, the reaction is to defend. Right. And I don't really need to defend my position. No. I don't. I don't want to be the person who has a chip on my shoulder. Now, I do stand up and say, hey, wait a second. That's not biblical. That's not right. That's not That's not true of who God is. But if it's working for you and you really want to hold that position, I'm not going to be the person who, um, you know, just is mean. I just refuse to be mean and ugly about it. Why do you think this isn't on your things, but it just occurred to me. Why do you think it's so trendy right now? There's a, there's churches that are really big. Yeah. Huge churches. And some of these pastors that are the, the main guys that are speaking are obviously male chauvinist. Why do you think that's popular with some young people? Because you would think in a world that we live in today that people stand up and go, that is not cool. But there seems to be, I mean, I know of one church up in the Seattle mm-hmm. area. They're huge. And boy, I'll tell you what, it's very biased. Well, it's because part of, part of it, I really believe this, is that we're not listening. We're just not listening to what's being said. We're not really researching what people think of gender roles. Because how you view women and men and their roles in life um, affects a lot of the way you read scripture, a lot of the way you um, run the church um, as an organization or an institution. And so I think part of it is that young people have turned off, like it's the cult of personality that we live in. Mm. If you have a name, then you automatically should be listened to. And even if, if you haven't really earned even it. If, and, and even if you're, you're irresponsible with, with that, Right. Place and and so title. so the the problem is is that we live in it we have a this generation who's coming up who if you're you know um if you have a name if you are a celebrity then 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 that means you should be listened to and followed and we don't always investigate what is being said. Boy, that and that sounds so familiar because you think about some of the folks that come out of Hollywood mm-hmm. that we idolize or sports stars that we think are so awesome and then you find out that they're really quite awful. Right. And and it kind of bursts a balloon, but that happens in the church world. It does mm-hmm. happen in the church the world a lot. Mentality. Yeah. And and um unfortunately what happens in that is you have a lot of people spouting off beliefs now that they don't really know where they come from. Because instead of having that relationship with the Lord that they that they need to be having, instead of really saying, "Okay, what does the Bible say about this?" Right. What does this this? Um, they're taking somebody. They're else's taking word someone for it. else's word for it, and that's their relationship. And with that the person Lord. happens to be very strong in their opinion. Oh yeah. So and, you take it as gospel when it may not be. And they can present well reasoned arguments right. as to why right. this is the way it is, and they can take scriptures out and say this says this and this says this and ignore. A whole segment of a other whole scriptures. Bunch of scriptures yeah. Yeah. And I, I read a blog um, 
pretty weak regularly um, by a, a woman out of Tennessee and she's her name's Rachel Held Evans and um, I don't always agree with everything she says but she is just I, I'm encouraged by her and mm-hmm. I think that she's doing the Lord's work and what she's doing and she's working she's a writer and a blogger and um, one of the things that she wrote she wrote a blog not too long ago and she was basically calling out um, she's egalitarian she believes that women should be able to to be in, in ministry and leadership and an equal rights and equal, um, life and, and opportunities and opportunities. And, yeah. and so, um, she, she's working on a biblical womanhood, um, project, which is really intriguing. So she's been blogging Well, she, she blogged, um, a couple weeks ago about, um, complementarians and egalitarians and kind of how complementarians like to say that egalitarians take the Bible out of context. They just proof text everything. Right. Well, she basically said, well, hey, how about you just at least call it like it is? Because you're selective in your scriptures, too. And I loved that because the truth is, is we're all people and we all look at things and read it with a bent. And we want to be right. And we want to be right. And so we're going to look and I'm going to I'm going to skirt over scriptures that that maybe don't support what I'm saying. Or maybe I just don't take the time to really research what the scripture is saying. Right. And so I loved it. I I was like that that was encouraging because she was just saying basically like, Hey, you're doing the same thing you're accusing us of. So at least let us all agree that we're, we all tend to have a little bit of a bias, Mm -hmm. a a different worldview sometimes. Yeah. Um, I think we'll go on to question two, if that's okay. Sure. Clara in a question two. I thought you, I thought she was going to be smooth and just go, well, and then ask the next question, but Um, no, you have to tell everybody. Can you share <laughs> an experience or two or three or four, how many ever experiences oh, okay. you want to, um, about um, what has happened to you, maybe positive or negative, when it's come to women in ministry? Yeah. Um, I was actually thinking this. I was trying to think of a couple, and I didn't want to go all negative because, I, like I said, I sure. don't... I don't like it's not all negative. No, it's mm-hmm. not. I've, I've had There's some really cool people. Uh, out some, there that, there yeah. are. And, um, but one of the, the negative experiences I had, and I remember being floored by this cause I didn't, I wasn't in churches that had a lot of women in ministry. I remember we had, um, when I was really young, I had a children's church that I went to that was really shaped me. I have to be honest, like alpha omega kids just shaped me. We lived in Owaka, Washington. My, my dad was in the coast guard. So we moved all the time. So but we were stationed in Owaco and there were two women, uh, pastor's wife and another lady from the church who did this and they wrote musicals for us to perform. And they wrote, I mean like plays. And so when they did children's church, it was like, not just like teach us a lesson, but we were active and involved. And so alpha Omega kids, yeah, it came to life for me. Alpha Omega kids really shaped me, like shaped who I was and, um, my belief system as I was young. And, um, so those women, like, I think really those are the only women I remember ever having, um, any like pastoral leadership over me. And I don't even think they were named pastors, but that's, they were our children's pastors. That's what right. they did. Um, and so other than that, I didn't have a lot of women in ministry, so I didn't have anyone that I was like looking to, but I remember when I went to Southwestern, I went to Southwestern Assemblies of God University, it's a long name, in Waxahachie, Texas, which is outside of Dallas. And um, I had transferred there from a uh, another school, and I was there finishing up my degree in youth ministry, and um, 
I had to take preaching class. And so in preaching class, basically they're teaching you to be a better communicator. I mean, really they're teaching you about how to form a sermon and write a sermon and how to not take the Bible out of context. So to put it in context for people. And it's an amazing class. Um, my professor there was just absolutely awesome. And, um, but I remember we had preaching lab. And so those days we would have to go and we would actually present our sermon. So I'm, I'm getting ready to go preach to my class of probably just seven or eight people. I think I was one of three girls in the whole class. Um, and it might've been a little bit bigger than that, but this guy walked up to me and I will be honest with you. I don't even know his name. I have no idea. I know that I'd seen him around school. That was it. And he literally said to me, oh, well, I don't really believe that women should be able to preach. And I looked at him. It was the first time. It really was the first time ever that anyone had ever said, like, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. I had known it was there. It was one of those. But you'd never seen somebody do that. But to no you. one had done it to me. Oh I mean, my. my family and friends had all supported what I was doing. They knew I was going to get a degree so I could be a pastor. And I had professors who were pouring into my life. And, you know, but I'd never had someone just confront me. And like, he wasn't. I thought at first he was joking. Like I tried to like, I was like, are you being sarcastic? Uh, and he was just like, no. And then, so I went up to preach right after that, which is uh. just fantastic. So I'm preaching this message and, um, it's, I love that message. It's still one of my favorites about security and finding our security in Christ. And, um, but he glared at me the whole time, like glared. And I just remember thinking like, that's just wrong. Like, that's not like what happened was not okay. But I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to explain it. Um, and so as that happened, I started to become more aware of like the little things that would happen. The little, like the fact that I probably was gonna have to work 10 times harder than any of my male classmates just to get like a mm-hmm. part-time position. Um, and, and I started just saying, okay, Lord, have you really called me to this? Because there's a lot of people that don't think I should be doing this. Wow. And so I really questioned my calling and, and I really struggled through that time. But, um, then I needed an internship, uh, for youth ministry. And so I was supposed to do an internship over the summer and I was like looking everywhere and just things just didn't work out. And it was wonderful because Myron, um, Ness, who's the pastor out at South beach Christian center, he called me and he said, Krista, you know that you are welcome here, right? And I remember whatever, this now. I yeah, remember this part of the story. Yeah. And he said, whatever you need, we're like, you want to come intern for us? They didn't have a youth pastor. And so he said, I'll just give you the youth ministry for the whole summer. You can do whatever you want and we'll, we'll work <laughs> it out. We'll make it happen and, and come. And, and I was like, okay. And I, I really honestly did not want to come back to the harbor. Um, I had moved here from New York when I was in high school and I really did not like it. I hated it to be honest with you. And I struggled. I had a really, there's, there's some rough things that happened in my life during that time. And so when I left the Harbor, I didn't want to come back. It was like good riddance. Yep. (laughs) Shake the dust off my feet. I'm not coming back. Yeah. And, but the truth is, is that God had a better and a different plan than I did. And so Myron called me and I said, sure. I need it. I have to do this or I won't graduate. Mm -hmm. And so I came out and for the whole summer, I had the best experience ever. Um, he taught me just so much about just daily ministry and life and, and, um, poured into me and I spoke 
every Wednesday I formed our youth ministry. I was the one who, who planned everything and which is not what happened with my friends who right. were in internships in right. other places. Mm-hmm. And so I got they probably set up the table, they set up and the d- help us <laughs> now, right. which I did that too, but, yeah. <laughs> but they didn't preach or get to speak yeah. or, you know, right. those things. And so, well, you really came alive that summer. Right? I did. I did come alive that summer. And I also, um, had just my heart broken for the, the kids of this area and this area. And so, um, when I went back to school, I only had a semester left and all I wanted to do was be back in the Harbor. Wow. And it was such a, sh- a, change. a change. Yeah. yeah. And I, um, and so then that, that fall, as I'm graduating, like probably three weeks before graduation, I emailed Myron and I'm like, I feel like I'm supposed to be back in the Harbor and you don't have a youth pastor. I would love to volunteer for you. And that started our three and a half year of wow. me. I ended up wow. being on staff there and getting my credentials at the assemblies. And, um, but one of the things that just this recent, recently this year, um, came to my mind that the Lord likes to show me kind of pictures sometimes or teaches me through experience I've had mm-hmm. and in at Southwestern um I am such I'm such a northerner I'm such a northwest girl I don't even understand the whole southern like I didn't I did not it was culture shock I did not know what I was getting into and one of the biggest things so weird there is that guys open the door for for girls right like anyone always mm-hmm. they if they are walking in front of you they will stand there and wait for you to go through the door and i just remember being such <laughs> so young and just kind of being like i'm independent you don't need to open that door for me and um and so i remember just messing with the guys a lot like i'd hold the door i'd be like oh here <laughs> you go like, go ahead they're and they're like, like no uh, no 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 <laughs> i had one guy literally for five minutes he stood there just are no my mom will kill me i'm like your mom's not gonna know I mean, he's 22 years old and he's yeah. fighting no my mother I can't do this she will come find me and t- she'll know she'll know no will you please just walk through the door and i'm like fine i will walk through the door for you <coughs> but the thing is is that a lot of my friends were the guys were thankful because i always thanked the guys for holding the door for me a lot of the girls who were raised in the south just expected it mm-hmm. and so i always thanked them well just in April, as I was going to our network event for all the pastors for the Northwest Ministry Network, I was driving to Yakima and I was just praying and, and thinking about my time at Southwestern. And I don't even remember why. And the Lord said to me, I just felt like he's impressed on my spirit. Like, do you remember when all the guys were opening the doors for you? Oh, interesting. And I was like, yeah, yeah what does that have to do with what we're like? I'm praying about conference. I'm thinking through, I'm stepping into this role as a pastor. And he said, don't be afraid or ashamed to let the men open the doors for you. I've put them, I put some people in place. Fantastic. And I just started like, I started crying because like, I can just start to think of all the men. I mean, my father, um, is just an amazing man. And Ryan and Myron and, um, you, to be honest with you, have had a, a major impact on my life. And I know you won't remember the, the winter retreat. Um, that was you, a crazy retreat. It was I a remember crazy that retreat. retreat, but you, we had a prayer time and you, I was only like a month and a half into youth ministry, maybe two months. And I was freaking out because I was, <laughs> I was like, I'm leading these 
teenagers. Is that when you were an intern or when no? I was when I was the yeah. youth pastor then, yeah. and I was I mean I was just in this time of just really questioning if I was doing it right. And I remember you looked at me and you just said, "I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you that you need to be creative and you need to do what He tells you to do, and you are going to be an awesome pastor." And I was like, <laughs> and I just sat there. Just gave me goosebumps. And it it. <laughs> It really was one of those moments like I stayed in youth ministry because you spoke what you believed God was telling you. And um, like if I just go back, my youth ministry professor at Southwestern Garland Owensby was, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how much I'm still in ministry because he has over the years just been there an email away, just encouraging me and um, my preaching professor, Dr. Rosedahl. And I mean, I just, there's all these men um, who have just said, we see what God's doing in your life and we're going to open the doors for you to do it. That's fantastic. And that's the way that the church, that's the way the body of believers should be. Whether you're a girl or a guy, someone needs to open the door and say, hey, come to the table. Yeah. Come on in. I've always thought that, too. I've always thought if, if there's any place on earth that that should happen, it should, should be the be church. In the church, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about how you lead church. You do it a little bit differently than yeah. your traditional... Part of it, I mean, part of it is probably... I don't know. Why do you? Which, which I need to say, as you said, she's doing it differently. I have to say, I really enjoy it. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I think so it's glad. great. So we have to let you know we don't think different is bad <laughs> no, at all. That's good. But you can explain why you do what you do. Yeah. Why, uh, what? What do you? What, what would you say is the? What differences are there? You think, and why do you do it different? Well, um, I wrote this down too because I really agree with this um one of the the things that happened to me when i was in high school in later high school was that um i am a total jeans and t-shirt kind of girl like that's just i'm sorry wearing a dress <laughs> is just the most uncomfortable thing that i have ever thought of doing in my and life throwing some and I, panty ho- yeah, hose like and high heels high is heels torture. And high heels are a torture device and yeah. and i'm a flip-flops and jeans and I, I tend to be a little bit more i mean it was the 90s i was totally grunge you know right, i was totally right, that kid right. but i remember having someone look at me and tell me that i was not dressed appropriately because i was not dressing for the lord okay stop right there we're going to take a break okay and here's what we're going to do. We're going to come back next week if people want to hear this story, which I think they're going to, on why you lead differently and you're, you're working up to this, this situation that occurred. Um, let's have them come back next week and hear the story. And we've got a few more questions for you. And I think it'd be great if we stopped here and we'll, we'll take it up next week. So everybody, hold on. If you want to find out what, how the story ends, you have to tune in. Next week. Ba-dum, bum, bum, bum. Same bat channel. Same, Same bat time, bat time. <laughs> for another exciting episode of Take Him With You. Um, before we go, though, um, if somebody wanted to find out more about Connection Church, um, where is it? When is it? Do you have a website? What, what's, what up? Well, we do have a website. It's in process. I'm not super webby. Let me just be honest. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so we have you've one You've got a few up. people in your church that are. I know. So we, and we'll I'm, I'm working on that. Yeah, um, yeah. Hint, hint. Um, so, but connectionchurch.com. Okay. Um, it has our meeting times and our space where we're A whole we're bunch of people are going there right yeah. now that you said that. That's awesome. One, <laughs> we meet at 120 West Curtis Street in Aberdeen. Okay. We meet on at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning so you can sleep in. And <laughs> um, nice. we meet on 
Thursday nights, we have our, what we call a connection group, small group, um, where we just talk about a biblical passage and we just share and our lives. really great child care because my daughter. That's right. Catherine, daughter, Catherine babysits Catherine for babysits us and she is, very good she is amazing. <laughs> and so everyone's welcome. We bring snacks. If, if someone showed up, do they need to dress up or do they need to? Jeans and t-shirt. That's all I got to say. Okay. <laughs> or right. sweatshirt if or it's cold. you can wear, I don't even, it does not matter, really. Just it, don't wear a bikini. That's right. Okay. That's right. All right. Well, <laughs> it might be a little cold. be better than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Thank anybody's going to show up to church nude, dear. <laughs> the nudist church. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not a nudist church. I think I might edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so and, and and does it matter if they have a religious background or not? No, no. Um, we're very welcoming and very much just um, a place where you can come and have conversation. Are, are people going to feel uncomfortable? I hope not. No, <laughs> I don't think they will. Um, like I said, we just we meet around tables. We have coffee. Yeah, come sit at our table. Yeah, yeah. We have if coffee and we ha- uh, meet around tables. So it is um, different. It yeah, really is. Yeah. It feels more like a coffee shop. Okay. All right. Great. Well, then uh, you've, heard, you've heard it right here now. you got to come back next week and hear part two of our interview with Carista Lewis, Pastor Carista Lewis from Connection Church. So thank you for being with us today. And we're going to take you. a quick break and then we're going to record the rest of this so everybody can hear part two. What did you think? That's pretty. She's pretty awesome to interview. I think. You know, I think she would be a natural podcaster. Yeah, she should do her own show, shouldn't yeah. she? Now, Carista, do your own show. Or she could just come on ours often. Yeah, we could get her on here more often. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she she's great, and really, she has some great messages at the church too. So maybe we'll uh, record some of them and put them up so you can hear her because uh, she's got a really good and fresh way of looking at things and. Just very non-religious and m- more practical than anything else. Yeah, I I always enjoy hearing her speak and yeah, and she's just very real, down to earth. Which is something that we, if we're you know, if we're going to be involved in a in an organized church, we want to be involved with people that are genuine, real, and that there's no politics involved. And from what we can gather, it it seems to be pretty politicless. Yeah. <laughs> is that a word? I don't think so. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. But it's nice. So, the least uh, amount yeah. of politics possible is great. Right. So thanks for listening. I hope everybody got something good out of it. And especially that uh, if you're a woman listening to this program, I hope you realize that God loves you and cares about you. You're not a second-class citizen. Um, in fact, God loves you the same and as a man, there's no difference as far as God is concerned, and you can be used by God to do fantastic things here on this planet. And uh, that's the facts. God can use men, too. Yes, he can. Man or woman. Yes, he can. Yeah. So how can people get a hold of us, Amy, if they want to get a hold of us? 
Well, Facebook is a great way. Um, it's either rick.moyer or amy.moyer. What now? On huh? Facebook. What now? Go to facebook.com and then you do forward slash rick.moyer or forward slash amy.moyer. Okay, you can do that. And, or you could get a hold of us at takehimwithyou.com. Uh-huh. At rick at takehimwithyou.com. Or amy at takehimwithyou.com. That's our email. And then you can also visit our video blog at... Uh, YouTube.com slash Rick Moyer 777. You can find Rick on Twitter. What is your... your At Moyer 777. Follow me. At Follow me where I go. I think Rick's going to set my Twitter up on my HP one of these days. I so already that, have. So is it here? So It could, is all set up. You could tweet right now if you want. I wanted. could tweet right now. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I have to figure out how to get there. Yeah. <laughs> I am... I am slowly getting into the modern age. You're Twitter illiterate. I I am Twitter challenged. Yes, that's true. I have Twittered, but it's been a couple of years. You've or is that tw- tweeted? You've tweeted. <sighs> so you haven't Twittered. Twittered. Maybe when I come into the My room, your heart, heart does a little Twitter. Went to Twitter. Only when you see me, right? <laughs> what are you doing? You're supposed to say, of course, dear. Of course, dear. My heart palpitates. Palpitates? <laughs> That's a, oh, my dear. My heart does, does palpitate. <laughs> hey, happy birthday, Amy. Oh, well, thank you. Just it's not, to wish it's you not happy quite birthday. yet. I don't want to have my birthday too soon because I'll be another whole year older. I'm not quite dead. I know. It's then you shall like... not be mortally wounded in vain. <laughs> I'm feeling quite better. Ah, shut up. <laughs> All right. You're not fooling anyone, you know. Oh, dear, dear, dear. I'm not Monty Python. Uh-huh. So you're going to want to join us next week for the conclusion of our interview with Carista Lewis. You will like it because it's re- it gets into some really cool stuff. She finishes her story, and you get to hear about the passion in her life towards the things of God. It's really, really encouraging and very, what would you call it, inspiring. Yeah. So, join us next time on Take Him With You. Yes, this has been a Moyer Multimedia LLC production, copyright 2011, all rights reserved. And our daughter just came in and she's taking pictures with her new camera. Yeah, she saved up and got a nice Canon Rebel something. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Awesome. Okay. Hey, everybody, have a great time. We'll see you next time on Take Him With You. Happy Halloween. There's a step that we all take along An appointment we have with the great unknown Like a vapor Life is just waiting to pass Like the flowers that fade Like the withering grass 
The song you've been listening to was written and performed by Petra, available on iTunes. That's Petra, available on iTunes. Hi, my name's Al, and my wife Joyce and I are big Disneyland fans. In fact, we love the place so much we started a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on Earth. In our show, Tales from the Mouse House, we'll discuss some news and updates on the Disneyland Resort, reveal some amazing little-known gems we call hidden treasures, and we'll also review some of the rides and attractions that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And we'll review some places to satisfy your hunger attacks, as well as offer up some tips and tricks we've picked up over the years that can help you get the most out of your Disneyland Resort vacation. So, after Rick and Amy have helped you along your spiritual path, Check out Tales from the Mouse House in iTunes. And remember, make it a magical day.